0: I want to, uh, before we get in the Word this morning, I want to just thank you personally for your prayers, even your prayers before I knew Christ. Last week when uh, we came to hear a pastor's message and wor- worship with you, I was sitting out here, and I looked over to the lady next to me. I said, hey, I recognize you uh, being one of the substitute teachers from high school. And that's always dangerous for me to say, because <laughs> I know there may still be some unforgiveness there, but... And she looked at me and said, uh, oh, yes, Justin, every time i seen your name in the paper, I prayed that God would save you. (laughs) And uh, so look what God does, though. Uh, I wouldn't know Christ if it weren't for the prayers of the faithful people who spent hours on their knees uh, begging that God would uh, reach me, and he did. So thank you for your prayers, your encouragement, and your support. Uh, We were in Wisconsin about to totally burn out on uh, support, team support raising, whatever you want to call it, when Pastor Levi called with the news of what you folks had uh, prayerfully considered to do uh, for the mission work in the Arctic to reach the Eskimos, and I couldn't hardly talk. (laughs) I was just like, well... uh, I didn't. After I got off the phone, I thought, I wonder what Levi even thought about in my <laughs> reply there. But I thought of how God works and how amazing he is and how little we really have to do with it other than following his lead and believing in his power and how he works. And it was just a real time of reflection on how amazing he is, how the body of Christ works together to bring glory to God. And uh, glory in Christ. And I thought how we had no sending church. And just today when, when the church, their their picture right there came up, Bradley goes, Hey, Dad, is that our church? It is, isn't it? I said, You bet it is. And uh, I think of the past, I thought of how the, the past two years, how we didn't have a sending church. How we were just kind of up there and how lonely that was and, and what a struggle it was and how encouraged we are to go back, and uh, at the home, how uh, ready we are to go back. I think grandpa and grandma are ready for a little peace and quiet. (laughs) But I just wanted to share a passage uh, that really reminded me of of you folks and your partnership here uh, in Philippians, and uh, Philippians chapter 14 through 20 and this isn't what I'm preaching on but this is what I thought of how uh, the Apostle Paul oftentimes the only reason he got to another village was because of the sending church and uh, we have not been without challenges and troubles and so when I read this passage I just thought of this is really how it is and we are still doing it the way they did it back then and Philippians four fourteen through 20, Paul says this to the Philippian church that was one of his sending churches. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. This this really is what I want you to hear this morning about your gifts. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. When I was saved in southern Wyoming, there was a man on a wooden leg named Virgil Bell. And uh, Virgil was 82 years old at the time. I think I've shared that with some of you, uh, my testimony. But I was working seven days a week, sometimes close to 100 hours a week, and so I didn't have a church to go to. I had a Bible, and Virgil called me about once a month. And that was my discipleship follow-up program. And I just talked to Virgil, uh, who is he's not doing real well. He's uh, almost 89, almost 90 now. And Virgil said, first he talked about the pastor's wife. A preacher's wife is the unsung song, he said. And he said, they're going to have a lot of reward in heaven, these preacher's wives. And then he said, I always wanted you to come down here to Arkansas and be a Methodist preacher with me. But I never could get you converted that far. (laughs) He said, so you just go back to Alaska and win the Arctic for Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. We have your prayers, we have your support, we have your backing, and we're going to go back there And preach the gospel in those villages. And win those folks to Christ. Because they're there begging for it. Without anyone going. We have over a hundred villages. And I pray that when I die. They all have a thriving church in them. Because they don't today. And so I want to thank each one of you. For the miracle that you are a part of. In getting us back to the North Pacific Crescent. Where we will win those folks for Christ. So let's. Turn to John. Uh, I would say more but about what we're going to do, but uh, you can put your name on our little email list or uh, to get newsletters. Uh, I set it out in the back there with all our pictures, and we'll update you. Let's turn to John 15 and stand as we read the word this morning. The Jewish people that didn't all have a Bible like we are so privileged to do, when they heard the word of God, they would stand in awe. And so let's stand in awe at the words of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit speaks them to us this morning. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not remain in me he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given you this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, when I come to your word this morning, uh, it would be easy to leave out some of these passages that talk about the lake of fire, and so personally I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and uh, use me to be glorified to yourself and that Lord, uh, each one of us here needs a word from you this morning. We think of the habits, hurts, and hang-ups. And so we pray that you do a mighty miracle here this morning. And that your power would be known amongst us today. And that this wouldn't be just another church service, but that you would shine. And so we pray that you would penetrate to every heart. Let every hear that has an ear hear what the Spirit says to this church. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would usher in your Holy Spirit now. And may your presence be with us. And Lord, I pray that personally for myself as I bring the word, that you would uh, increase completely and that I would decrease to nothing. And that you'd give me preaching power, get me out of the way. Use me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated. I always know when the Lord is going to speak because I don't want to preach the message that he's given me. But then I think of the gospel side of it, and I'm excited. So we're going to talk about the dark side of life, but we're also going to talk about the light side of life this morning. And the reason we're going to do that is because that's what Jesus did. And the reason we're going to do that is because we don't want to be floating along as the body of Christ with hang-ups. We don't want things to be in the way of others coming to the Lord. We don't want to live a life That is wimpy when God wants us to lead a life of power and victory. And so we're going to get into the scriptures here today. We're going to do it Alaska style. What time's the baptism? We're waiting for the river to clear.
1: Oh, okay. Well, good.
0: That's good. That means we've got some time here. When I was working on the Silver Spur Ranch... um, I was uh, early, early morning getting ready, and for some reason, I pulled the diesel truck in to the gas unleaded tank and filled her up. (laughs) And uh, it ran okay for a little while. We had our horses in there, and then it started, (laughs) oh, man, what's wrong with this thing? And uh, as much as I didn't want to admit to it, I would put the wrong fuel in, and the truck became very worthless to us. We're unable to finish the job that we were going to do. It's much like a Christian or a non-believer without Christ and his nourishment, because Christ is what life is all about. He is life's fuel. He is life's fire. He is our deepest soul's desire. And Too often we find ourselves feeding on the nourishment that this world and the devil offers and we find that we're only dying, chugging along, becoming useless. Well, we have this passage before us this morning and so that we stay on track, I'm just going to go verse by verse. I don't want to leave anything out and we want to get the facts straight right off the get-go. We're just going to clear the path and let Christ be Christ. Jesus says here, I am the true vine. Let's stop right there. Jesus is the only way to heaven. When I was in the bighorns, I thought that spiritism was the way to heaven. I was reading the book, The Seven Rites of the Ogallala Sioux, and I was close to God, but I totally missed the point. When I was in the bottle, I was missing the point. The only vine, the only place where we'll get nourishment unto eternal life is Jesus Christ. There is no other religion. There's thousands of roads to hell, but only one to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. So let's get the facts straight. I don't care what the world says. That's the truth, and people will go to hell unless they know the true vine. Jesus is the only true vine. He's the only way to heaven. The next part of the passage says, and my father is the gardener. My Father is the gardener. God the Father is the gardener. God the Son is the vine. God the Holy Spirit is the water to the vine. Isn't it interesting the way the Lord has set it all up? The vine, uh, the life-giving vine, when it talks about the life-giving vine, it says this, that through Christ, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So every person here... Is because of Christ. This building is because of Christ. This world is because of Christ. The stars are because of Christ. Without him nothing was made that has been made. This gets exciting. He's the only vine in this world that gives life. So in October 18th when our little child comes into this world alive. It's because of Jesus Christ. Every other vine gives death. False life. The word of the Lord says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Isn't it interesting that God the Father here, Jesus says, is the gardener? Isn't it interesting that we started in the garden, the Garden of Eden? In fact, National Geographic has proved that. They found that as they studied every Uh, nationality in the world that they're 99.9% related well I could have told them that I could have said we're 100% related just look at Genesis (laughs) I don't need DNA samples all over the world and waste that money we could feed the hungry with that money the answers are here now let's get something else out of the way the gardener created the world in six days You better believe it. It's nothing for God to create this little speck of dirt that we call the world in six days. Nothing for him to do that when you look at how vast the universe is. He rested on the seventh. He created all life. He created all plants. He created the mountains. And all that we see, God created. He placed our first parents into this world where he had cast Satan out of heaven that's hard for us created people sometimes to comprehend but when we see heaven we'll know why he was cast to earth it would be miserable to go from heaven to earth miserable what a punishment Satan had lost his authority but he still has his power and so God puts our first parents Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden And he gives mankind authority over all the living species and over the earth to take care of it. And he says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And he gives them a choice of obedience, a choice of life or death. He said to them, don't eat of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or you'll surely die. And today, still today, We have the responsibility as human beings to live a fruitful life, faith in Christ, to bear the good news and make disciples, which is uh, multiplying believers on the earth. And today God gives you and I the choice and the ability and the power not to sin. Isn't that amazing? I never understood that. When I first came into the realization that Christ was everything, I was still walking in my sin life, but there became a guilt that I could not bear. And it wasn't until I went up on Casper Mountain and said, God, I would rather die. Take note of that. I would rather die. I didn't know what was happening then. But now I do that I've checked out the scriptures. I would rather die on Casper Mountain today than go back to a life of sin. I am sick of it, God, so kill me dead or give me some kind of power that when I walk off this mountain, I'll be a changed man and I won't have to walk in the ways of darkness. And I can actually be help to people and not hurt to people. I didn't know it, but when I used those words, I would rather die. Something supernatural happened. Because, see, it's how this works in the scriptures. If you're born once, you'll die twice. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this to face the judgment. That's the second death. That's the lake of fire. But if you're born twice, which is salvation, then you'll only die once. And it will be a great death. Let them gun us down to being Christians. Let it happen. So be it. We look forward to death, because it's going to usher us into the presence of our Savior into heaven for all eternity. Not where we're just going to float along, but we're going to be in the presence of God, living as we were supposed to, eating of the tree of life. So still today, we have the responsibility to bear fruit, to believe in Christ, to live in His power, to live in His victory, and the opportunity and choice not to have to live in sin or for sin. Well, as we know, Adam and Eve blew it. And the curse of sin came onto all mankind. Now, if it was you and I looking at it from a creative, creative person's standpoint, we would have just went and started over. Wouldn't we have? I mean, that's what we'd have done. We're, we're not as patient as God. But God had already planned that every one of us in every generation would exist. And he wanted everyone to have the same opportunity that Adam and Eve had. Life or death. Praise God that he didn't just be done away with us, but that he gave us the second chance. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Uh, Three things the devil's going to try to do in your life. Like he did to Adam and Eve. He's going to try to have you doubt the word of God. And I want to encourage you this morning... This is the word of God. There are no more mistakes in it. There are no problems in it. The only problem is if we have a problem with it. From Genesis to Revelation, you'll find Jesus in every word. And if you don't, stop and go back and reread it, you'll find him. He's there. So Satan's going to try to get you to doubt the word of God. He's going to try to get you to doubt the character of God. And the third thing he'll try to do, he's going to try to get you to doubt the judgment of God. This is a big one as Americans, doubting the judgment of God. A.W. Tozer, who was just raised as a farm boy, come to the Lord and became a preacher and a modern prophet, says this. The race of Adam, that's what we are, the race of Adam is under the death sentence of God. There is no escape, there is no compromise. God cannot and will not approve of any of the fruits of sin, however innocent they may appear, or how beautiful they are to the eyes of men. God salvages an individual by liquidating him and then raising him again to the newness of life. It's like the fruit tree... It shows us God's patience where Jesus tells a story of a man who had a fig tree and several fig trees. And he came to this one fig tree and he said, there's no fruit on it. Cut it down. Throw it into the fire. But the worker of the garden said, wait. Uh, I know you're saying it shouldn't use up my soil, but let's just give it one more chance. Sir, leave it for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. And if it doesn't bear fruit then, fine. Be done with it. But if it does, let it bear fruit. So we see that we have an opportunity in life. We have the second chance. But we also have the danger of being cut off. The Bible talks very plain about some people who are in the grace of God and they continue to harden their heart, continue to harden their heart, and God finally says, okay, this earth will be your reward. Live as you want to live, but you will not have any part in my kingdom. dangerous so the question is this morning are you truly in the true vine how can you and I worldly hell deserving sinners become grafted into the holy vine we're born into sin how can we get grafted into the holy vine of God simply put you must repent and believe. You must die to self before you live in Christ. The Bible says stop doubting and believe. Forsake your sins once and for all. Forsake them. They ain't doing you any good anyways. I was talking to some of my old drinking buddies. And they were talking about all our great drinking days. I said, guys, I have to interrupt you. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And I said, get me a pen and paper and write down everything good that alcohol has done for you. And they couldn't. They could not come up with one good thing. In fact, one of my buddies said, you know what? It's destroying my marriage as we speak. So forsake your sins once and for all. They ain't worth it. Go walk up to Golgotha, just like our brother sang about, and forsake yourself. Don't cover anything up. Don't defend anything. Don't try and make terms with God. Well, God, if you do this for me, that's what I used to say. Lord, if you do this for me, I'll quit chewing. I was confused. (laughs) What we need to do is say, God, break me to nothing. Get on your face and die. You and I are worthy only to go to the cross and die. And then gaze with simple trust. Simple trust upon the Savior of your soul. Upon the one who rose from the dead. From him and him alone comes life. Rebirth. Cleansing. A young man went to an evangelistic meeting with his friend, And uh, they were like 12 years old and his friend went forward and he received Christ. And he came back and he sat down and his other friend said, so what happened up there? And he said, it's like I had a shower on the inside. And his friend said, that's what I want. And He went forward and received Christ. And he's living for Jesus today. There at the cross, gazing upon the Savior, you find forgiveness complete. Don't fall into the legalistic setting that you have to. To do anything. He has done it all. On Calvary. And that's what the good news is. That you can come to him. And receive power. And victory. Then he says. Now remain in him. Don't go back. When a Roman person. Was under the death sentence of crucifixion. And went through town carrying their cross. They had already told their family goodbye. They would already told their friends goodbye. They had already said goodbye to the world. And everyone there knew, without even saying anything, that that man was not coming back. It was obvious. And when Jesus Christ says, Show yourselves to be my disciples. When he says... Uh, if anyone should come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, we can't bear the cross that Christ bore, but we can repent of our sins and gaze upon his resurrection and his life. It's like this. Uh, maybe some of you remember the running back uh, MVP player of the year, Wallace Francis. Um, his career, after nine years, was just starting to take off as a football player. And in his ninth year, the year that he was MVP, whatever that means, I don't even know what it means. But I was just sitting with him last week, visiting to it, with him about this. He uh, was born again. He had tried out several religions. But when he came to Christ and heard that Christ had done it all, and we he came into the realization that Christ had done it all, he was delivered. He was set free. And then all of a sudden, through that summer, as he was preparing for what was probably going to be his greatest year ever, football became nothing to him. All of a sudden, as he was studying the scriptures, and this is the story he told me, men chasing a ball around all of a sudden became... Nothing to him compared to the greatness of Jesus Christ. And a week before he was to return, he enrolled in Bible school instead. He said his father-in-law almost killed him. Because <laughs> his father-in-law was a football fanatic and living in his dreams through his son-in-law. But he said, Justin, life is all about a person. Life is all about a person. His name's Jesus. And he got these tears that welled up with a smile on his face. And even my flesh said, how could he turn from a career like that? But as he explained the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ and why we exist, it was quite easy that he would leave a worldly career like that and go on to be a great evangelist preaching the gospel to high school students and people in prison and all over the world. See, when you're delivered, you don't have to go back to a life of sin. When a child is born, it screams, Ah, that's cold! It was so warm in there. I had everything I needed. Why do I have to be out here? And sometimes when a new believer is born again, they say, I liked that life. I was comfortable there. I was all wrapped up in myself. But you know that if that child went back, he'd die, wouldn't he? When we're delivered, we do not go back. We don't have to go back. Don't let Satan fool you with that. You're delivered from it, never to return. Christ is now in you as a believer. You're regenerate. You were once far away, but you're brought near by the blood of Christ. You're no longer withered. You're no longer dry. You're no longer dead. You're no longer depressed. You're no longer hopeless. You have God inside you. Let us wrap our minds around this. We have the living water now flowing through our veins as believers. And we are to live with power. And we are to live with victory. And we are to live with love for others. And then Jesus says this. Verse 6. And oh, did I ever want to skip past this. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Here's the facts. If I skipped this passage and went back to Bush, Alaska, and our bush plane gets blown into the side of the mountain, and I am no more, I go into glory land. That'd be okay with me, I don't want to leave my family behind, don't get me wrong. But I don't want to regret not warning you If some of you are out here this morning and you're not with Christ, or you are a vine that has withered, or a branch that has withered on the vine, then it's only fair for me to send out the warning, and therefore I'll have a clear conscience and you'll have a clear understanding of God. The lake of fire is a reality. And I hope to God this morning that none of you here will experience the lake of fire. But we are on this earth with a choice. Christ or hell. The lake of fire will be your home if you are a liar and do not know Christ because you've already had the opportunity. The lake of fire is for those who do not remain in Christ. A life of sin is more important than a life of surrender. And so we have many passages in the scripture, the question comes to us, how do you know if you're fruitful or fruitless? We must compare our lives with the word of God. Here's an example. Here's a little quiz. Uh, Ephesians 5, I'll just run through these, uh, says this, uh, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And until a man told me that I, my problem was sin, I didn't know. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine from you. for you. Shine on you. I just want to give a little quiz this morning so that you can lay your life alongside the scriptures so that you know for sure that you're not carrying anything with you that would keep you from heaven. Let's expose some of these fruitless deeds of darkness. And I urge you that if any of them characterize your life, go to the cross immediately, die, be born from the Spirit, and it'll be done. It'll be over with. Receive the power. Galatians 5, let's look at that one. 19-21 through 21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, Factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know why that is? It's because some people falsely believe that they can be on both sides. Impossible. Salt water does not spring from spring water. And I want to share with you, uh, you don't have to turn to this. Let me just read it to you. 2 Timothy, this is a great one for the young people of our day. 3, 1 through 5. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. And I want to say this. Infants are being sacrificed at the altar of self. That's what abortion is. People have set themselves up as God and it's all about their pleasure and it's all about their own lifestyle and infants are being sacrificed at the altar of self. I was reading in the Old Testament how when a nation became depraved they would sacrifice their children and burn them at the fire. Is that not the same thing we're doing? Now I do want to say this. If you have had an abortion there is forgiveness. And God loves you and He has already in Christ forgiven you of that sin. But we cannot go lightly on the sins that will keep us from salvation. Others are lovers of money, boastful, proud. If you have a problem with money, just give it away. (laughs) Give it to the poorest person you know. Boastful, proud, abusive. Here's one for our youth. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. We should be grateful in our nation, shouldn't we? Unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, this is like a lot of religions, but denying its power, have nothing to do with these fruitless deeds of darkness. I think that's enough for this morning. But there's many more, and if you nourish on the word, you'll find them, and you can take them to the cross. Here's the verdict. You're either light or dark. How can you have one leg in the world and one leg in the word? How can you be drunk on yourself and on wine and be part of the vine? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A person all wrapped up in himself, my uh, grandfather-in-law said, a person all wrapped up in himself makes a pretty small package. A self-worshipper. It's like a kernel of wheat that falls to the ground, but only stays a kernel of wheat. It never becomes anything. It never becomes what it's supposed to. But when it goes to the dark place and is buried. We're going to see that in baptism today at the river, aren't we? Goes to the dark place and is buried. (laughs) Buried. Dead. And it gets all busted up and it changes. The crucifixion. But then what happens, you gardeners? All of a sudden, a beautiful green little shoot comes up. And the next thing you know, before you know it, you say, What happened? This, this person is bearing fruit. Fruit that lasts into eternity. That's what it's all about for us. To become a fruitful branch. The Bible says the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the reality. But we can't end there. We can't end in the darkness. So we know what fruitless trees are. And what a fruitless branch looks like. And I tell you, I've been a fruitless branch. But That is not the way it has to be. In fact, it's not the way it's designed to be. The branch that is so strongly connected to the vine, the branch that is filled with the Holy Spirit, is alive. The branch that is soaking in the nutrients of the Holy Bible is thriving. It's growing. It's a fruit-producing plant, and God is glorified through faith in Jesus Christ, expressing itself through Love, which is only possible when we remain in Christ. Do we know anything, Church of God, of remaining in Christ? The intimacy with Jesus that we're designed for. It's God's plan for you. Make a good tree, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, Jesus said, that you may be born again and bear fruit. That you might belong to Christ who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. That you will have the fruit, the Bible says, of the Spirit. The person that you want to be, you can be if you remain in the vine. You can't produce it yourself. That you may be able, the Bible says, to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Do you see the picture? Only if you're connected to the vine. And remain in me, Jesus said, then you will bear fruit in every good work, fruit of lips that confess his name. I want to encourage you this morning to be a praying people. Intimate with Jesus. Get alone in groups. Maybe this Friday, get together and pray. Some of you pray in the, in the children's church in a vital ministry area. Some of you pray in pastor's church. Pray for him and his wife and his family. Pray over here. Pray at the pulpit. Pray out there. Pray together. That's part of the intimacy with Christ. A branch cannot grow on its own. I've tried that. It must be connected to the vine. A believer must be completely connected to Jesus Christ. And you will flourish. It's all about Him. He gives life. He gives growth. He gives encouragement. He is the author and the finisher of your faith and of your life. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Almighty God. He's the Wonderful Counselor. He's the Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. And He's the reason we're here today. Jesus is what you are all about. Nothing else. He's about all you'll be. He's your life. He's your light. He is your salvation day after day. He's your truth. He's your way to heaven. His name is the name above all names. His name is Jesus. Can you say His name? Can you stand up and say His name? Stand up and say Jesus. Jesus. King of kings. kings. Lord Lord of lords. Amen. You may be seated. It is time to celebrate the liberation of Jesus Christ. It's time to get excited about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's time to worship him. It's time to live a life of praise to his name. It's time for you to cast off all that hinders and live for him. Live for him. Live in him, abide in him, remain in the vine, and he will remain in you, and you will produce fruit. You will produce a crop 160 or 30 times what is sown inside you. It is to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen.